Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Peristyle Podcast. We are doing, we haven't done this for a while, since pretty much since right around signing day, a Trojan Blast recruiting podcast with Gerard Martinez, a whole podcast dedicated just to USC football recruiting. Gerard, it's been a while since we've done our own little show together. Did you miss me? I didn't because we did regular podcasts together. That's true. But I did miss the Trojan Blast. And I don't know if USC fans have missed it because signing day was not the most uh, positive day, most joyous day for Trojan fans. And I know a lot of Trojan fans are out there still, a little mixed feelings about recruiting, especially early in the year with so many decommitments. But we're going to do it anyways. We're going to grind it out. We're going to talk about recruiting for an hour, whether USC fans like it or not. We are going to do it. They don't have to listen if they don't want to, but most of the time they seem to, they seem to like these. Trojan Blast recruiting podcast talking about USC football recruiting. You can't really get it anywhere else. So, what do you want to do? And I, I, before we get into it, Gerard, um, I know you were ch- you were checking out uh, this weekend. There was uh, some seven on seven action uh, up in the valley that that you saw. I want maybe kind of give your thoughts on what was going on there. This is the season. If people don't know that, you get to see a lot of these players play in shorts and t-shirts as opposed to helmets and shoulder pads so that Gerard checked some of those guys out this weekend yes it's uh quite frankly there's seven on seven ball every weekend yeah. <laughs> there's not a weekend that goes by where there's not some type of seven on seven tournament that goes on in this past weekend it was the game breakers tournament which is a regional img tournament they also have a regional img tournament here uh later in april and uh going into may and that's basically you get, you know, 16 teams from the Los Angeles, Southern California area and brought them together in Newberry Park. And, uh, you know, a good set of skill players. It's really all about skill players because you just got, you know, receivers. You've got your quarterbacks, you've got your defensive backs, and you've got your linebackers, really your inside linebackers more than your outside linebackers if you're running a 5-2 like USC. So it's a, it's a good uh, time to get out there and get to see, you know, the receivers and the quarterbacks. And uh, it's uh, certainly a year where quarterbacks have yet to really show um, in terms of depth. Obviously, you've got uh, Keller Christ up there in Palo Alto, California, who already has a scholarship offer from USC. Um, he's not a part of any uh, seven-on teams that we've seen thus far. So really, it's it's more underclassmen and, and trying to find guys, you know, that are that are uh, kind of under the radar a little bit to see if USC's got some options outside of Christ. And right now, they don't. <laughs> right now, it looks like you know one of the better uh, quarterbacks in the California is a 2015 um, quarterback, uh, Josh Rosen, out of uh, St. John Bosco, who's about 6'3", 205 pounds, a, a big kid. Um, he was at the uh, Under Armour Rivals camp in Phoenix and showed pretty well. Uh, this weekend, he struggled a bit. Big arm, he can spin it. Like I said, he's a big kid. He's got a big frame for a 2015 recruit. Uh, but he forced it a little bit in this uh, in this tournament. And um, I think it was one of those things where, you know, when you've got a big arm and you're a young recruit, you want to show it off a little bit at these types of tournaments. And I think he kind of did that a little bit. And, and he was throwing the ball a little high, throwing the ball a little hot on some short routes and had some deflections and go for interception. So it wasn't his best showing, but it was just one showing of many showings. And he's going to be a guy that USC fans are going to want to watch for um, in the coming years um i think receiver was definitely the position that was the most stacked at the tournament uh, you had uh, eric brown who was a standout receiver at uh, our rivals under armor camp in uh, el toro a few weeks ago and uh, he's been a guy that's been climbing up the radar with a lot of schools he just got uh, scholarship offers from oregon state washington and usc he's fast uh, he's a little slight. He's not a you know big receiver. He's about yeah, a little over six foot, probably about six foot one, 170 pounds. Um, but uh, he really cuts through the defense nicely. He uses his speed nicely. He separates well from receivers downfield. 
Um, he's starting to, ve- to develop a better game underneath. They saw a little bit more from that in this tournament from Eric Brown, where he was able to run, you know, some drag routes and some slant routes and be a little bit of possession receiver. But he still made those big plays downfield. He had some great touchdown catches uh, in this tournament, uh, where you know he's in the back of the end zone and he has enough awareness not to just get the ball in the air and be able to make a good catch, but also get his feet down and be able to kind of straddle that that sideline. And he did that a couple times in this uh, tournament and made some real good plays and was probably the most explosive player I think we saw uh, during the tournament. So he's one of those guys that's on USC's radar. USC is recruiting him. They haven't offered him a scholarship yet. There's been a little bit of back and forth as to, you know, whether Eric Brown's going to wait around for USC or not. You know, he told me Saturday that uh, he's going to wait the process out. So not necessarily waiting on USC, but definitely wanted to kind of let the process play out, wanted to see what kind of options he had. He didn't put a timetable on it, but it didn't sound like he wanted to make a decision anytime soon. Been a lot of talk about him silently committing to UCLA a week ago after he took an unofficial visit. But I also heard that when he got his offer from Washington that he was ready to commit to Washington. So I think it's going to be one of these things where you know every scholarship offer that he gets, he's going to seriously consider. He's going to be excited about it. But this is one of these things that's definitely going to play out, I think, in December and January, regardless of whether he does end up making an early commitment or not. Another wide receiver that we saw that uh, I'm really starting to like. He's starting to grow and be more and more every time I see him. And he really hasn't had an amazing camp or an amazing passing league performance yet. I just like what I see from him in bits and pieces, and that's Rasheed Johnson, uh, a wide receiver who's actually committed to Washington already from Long Beach, Jordan. Uh, Rasheed Johnson is probably in about 5'10", 170 pounds. He's also pretty slight, but he's quick, he's fast, uh, he, he, he catches the ball well over the middle. Um, the difference between he and Brown, Brown is a north and south type runner. You know, Brown reminds me a little bit of uh, Marcus Wheaton, who is a receiver at, uh, at Oregon State and is now going into the NFL and in the NFL draft. He's, he's a north and south. He's a, you know, seam route, go route type guy that really does his damage when he's 30 yards out from the line of scrimmage. Whereas Rasheed Johnson also has really good speed, but I think he's a little quicker. He's a little more zigzaggy. He's a little more of a moves guy in the open field. And I like those guys a lot just because looking at USC's offense, they run so much of that bubble screen that if you're going to run a bubble screen, you've got to have a guy out there that can be able to make a couple guys miss. And Rasheed Johnson is one of those guys. So he's an older guy that you know hasn't gotten a lot of interest from USC, hasn't had a lot of contact from USC. He did go to the junior day, and he's definitely looking around. He's committed to Washington, but it's one of those things that you know he's quote unquote exploring his options. And, and that's a guy that I, I really like a lot. Um, so you know there was quite a few players there. You know B2G came out actually, and uh, B2G hasn't really had any tournament teams that, like they have in the past. So they came out to this tournament and actually fielded a couple pretty good teams. Saw some good linebackers in this tournament. Uh, One being a guy that's really kind of on the radar right now that was playing for B2G is uh, Fred Warner, who's a linebacker from uh, San Marcos Mission Hills High School, about 6'3", 190 pounds, about 200 pounds. He was also at the Under Armour Rivals camp uh, a few weeks ago. And a guy that just kind of you just kind of see stand out a little bit because of his physicality, because of his height and his frame. You know, that 6'3", you don't see it a whole lot out there right now in this linebacking core. You don't see a lot of big guys. And, you know, a guy that actually has a little bit of height kind of stands out to you, especially with USC having to go with some bigger linebackers with the defense that they're running. So that's a guy that could, you know, definitely jump on the radar a little bit. Um, he's actually playing for B2G. He was working with Lonnie Ford, a former Trojan, uh, with the Frat Boys crew for a little bit. So he's jumped back and forth between teams. Um, another guy uh, that is actually working out with Chris Claiborne and the Frat Boys 7-on-7 uh, seven team um, is, uh, is, is Buzzy Bolden. Um, uh, Curtis Bolden, we call him Buzzy, and I, I almost forgot his first name. Uh, <laughs> Curtis Bolden, who's a guy who plays defensive end for Vista Marietta, and is kind of that tweener type guy because he's only about six one. He's about two hundred fifteen, sitting about two hundred twenty pounds. And he plays edge defensive end. Reminds me a little bit of Charles Burks when he was coming out of Edison High School. Uh, similar build, similar type of player, high motor guy. But we saw him in this tournament playing some middle linebacker and playing pretty well, showing a lot of good lateral speed, showing good hips, uh, very aware in space. 
And, you know, he seems to be kind of coming around a little bit. And that's a guy that I could see maybe playing a little bit inside linebacker. And if he can make that jump, if he can go to a camp maybe at USC and convince those guys that he can play inside, he's a guy that can put on more weight. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of debate as to, you know, who should be getting offers from USC and, and who fits that new system that they have. I think with inside linebackers, you've got to look at some guys that have some bulk on them that, that, that they can put some weight on. Bolden's one of those guys that you can put weight on. It's just one of those things, can he play inside or is he better playing at the line of scrimmage as an outside guy? And then you start to question his height and his frame and if he's able to, you know, long arms get away from those offensive tackles at the line of scrimmage. Because right now you're looking at outside linebackers at USC being 250, 260 pounds, 6'3", guys like, uh, you know, uh, Morgan Breslin and Devon Kennard. That's really the outside linebackers that USC has right now. And that 5'2 or 3'4 defense, whether it's USC or other schools, you see guys with more height, longer arms. You have to play a little taller at that line of scrimmage to keep those blockers off of you. So a guy like Bolden, I think definitely if you're going to look at him, he's going to be more of an inside guy. The maybe most notable recruit that was at the passing tournament this past weekend was Dwight Williams, the you know six foot, 205-pound linebacker from Sarah, a guy that has a million scholarship offers, doesn't have a scholarship offer from USC. He's been pretty vocal and pretty upset about that. He talked about that with other people, heard a little bit about that over the weekend, about you know him being frustrated with USC and, and not having that scholarship offer. He kind of had a quiet tournament, didn't really see a whole lot from him. Some other people talked about how good he was playing. I didn't see it. Um, you know, He kind of was playing with sunglasses on in a night tournament and kind of laying low and just kind of a weird vibe from him right now. And I, I can see with USC and where they are, and again, we're talking about you know the profile of the player, the, the physical build, and what they require with that type of defense they're running now. It's hard to see where Dwight Williams would fit in. I mean, he's just not a big guy. He doesn't have a big frame. He can't really play outside linebacker in that kind of scheme. He has to be a guy that would have to move inside and play that will position, but you're going to be playing inside more than you're going to be playing in the typical 4-3 outside will position where you're going to be a little more on the edge, a little more in space. Here with USC right now, these guys are playing in between the tackles, so you're seeing the run fits much differently, um, I think, than you would with a 4-3. So I can see why USC has been hesitant and they're trying to kind of warm up to him. His game film is not that great. Um, you've seen him in person a few times, yeah. played well, but not spectacular, nothing just amazing. And, you know, USC just recently offered Derek Calhoun um, from Cerritos, a, a guy that comes from Northern California, who's a little more built, has some comparisons to um, Hayes Pillard. He's going to have to play inside with USC. He could probably play inside at USC a little better than Dwight Williams. And you watch his film, and he's more of a hitter. He's more of a striker. He's more of a guy playing downhill. So you could kind of see where USC likes him maybe a little more than Dwight Williams. But, you know, recruiting-wise, because there's so many schools from out of state that offer so early, I think Dwight Williams right now feels like he's maybe entitled to having a scholarship offer from USC. And because he doesn't have it, he's a little frustrated. Like I said, Played okay in this tournament. I didn't see anything bad from him, but I didn't see anything remarkable. I thought Bolden was a little more intriguing, and even Fred Warner was intriguing just because of their body types and what USC is going to require from that 5-2 defense at linebacker. All right. Well, that's a good recap there of what went on the tournament. Uh, let's get to some of these questions. We have a voicemail question for you first, Gerard. Here you go with that one. JD from D.C., question for Gerard here. Uh, Gerard, Looks like we desperately need cornerbacks in next year's class. The offer to Dory Jackson is already out there. What are we waiting for and pulling the trigger on Halley? Uh, and uh, there was another promising guy at one of the camps recently. I think his name was Atkins. Uh, it doesn't look like we should wait on some of these East Coast guys like we did last year. And in a similar vein, inside linebacker doesn't appear to be anybody on the board in California or the West Coast, who is a classic inside linebacker, but we've got a lot of options for outside linebackers. Uh, any of these guys, like uh, Jamadri Cobb, could they get big enough to fill that role in the new 5-2? Well, that's a few different questions there. Kind of touching a little bit on what I talked about with the tournament and Buzzy Bolden and, and Dwight Williams and these guys and how they kind of fit into that new scheme and whether they're outside guys or inside guys. There are quite a few options at linebacker this year, especially when you take into account 
that you're going to have some guys that are defensive ends in the 4-3, the 6-3, 235-pound type defensive ends, weak side defensive ends, all of a sudden becoming outside linebacker prospects. We just updated our target list, and this month I decided to really start to kind of uh, to, to, to apply the 5-2 you know, personnel needs to the target list and you see it's grown a lot because of the outside linebacker position now all of a sudden being, you know, kind of coupled with that weak side defensive end position, the Leo position as it was with Pete Carroll. So now you have a lot more outside linebackers on uh, the radar, a lot of more guys that are getting offers as targets. And you'll see, I mean, there's, there's almost a dozen guys right now outside linebacker that have scholarship offers from USC. Quite a few of those guys are out of state guys. You know, you got Bryson Allen Williams, uh, Lorenzo Carter, uh, Quaylen uh, Cunningham, him. Uh, those are the type of guys that are really, you know, more defensive end type guys for four three. But you're seeing them all of a sudden shift into being more like outside linebackers in the five two. So that's a little bit of a development there in terms of you know what USC is looking for. Um, I, I think you know Jamadre Cobb. That's a guy that is on my radar. I've seen him play. I like him. I think he's another big body type kid that's going to get, you know, 235, 240 pounds by the time he's a sophomore going into his junior year. And I think with inside guys in that 5-2, that's kind of what you want. You're going to have guys that have to take on more blocks. Um, they're, they're going to be guys that uh, are, are, I think, just in terms of plugging the holes against the run, I think that needs to be maybe a little more of a concern than necessarily coverage-wise. And so you're going to look for some bigger bodies. And I think a guy like Schmodrick Cobb can definitely be one of those guys. So, you know, locally and nationally, I think the linebacker position is good in terms of the pool of talent. Right now, USC, I think, is, is more focused out of state. Um, but there's guys, you know, Chandler Lanui is a guy that uh, we saw at the IMG tournament uh, who's about six foot, 220 pounds, uh, another St. John Bosco prospect. That's a guy that I could see, you know, USC starting to warm up to, you know, if they get him in a summer camp, uh, looking at a guy that, you know, could end up being 240 pounds and is a tackling machine for St. John Bosco. So there's a few guys out there. There's a little more depth, I think, in this linebacker class, um, and especially when you take into account that all of a sudden your linebacker position has grown by one, you know, in terms of need, in terms about the numbers that you're actually fielding. You're fielding four linebackers now or guys that you're calling linebackers instead of just three. So I think, you know, obviously, Obviously, the talent pool has grown because you're looking for a, 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 a wider range of players, and I think that the talent pool is available this year. It it's uh, it lends itself to that too. So that, they're in an okay place, I think, right now with with linebacker recruiting and the options that they have, uh, whether it be you know nationally or locally. With cornerback, it's not quite the same. We're starting to see some guys develop a little bit. Some guys that, you know, I guess, you know, Denzel Fisher would be a good example of a kid that really not much attention yet from USC, but a guy that I can see USC starting to get excited about. They get him into a camp. They see him in person. He doesn't have great junior film. Uh, he's about 6'2", 170 pounds uh, from Compton Centennial High School. So he's kind of, you know, inner city kid, hasn't really been out there a whole lot in the camp circuit, not a lot of, you know, recognition in terms of uh, things that he's done, accolades wise so he's a guy that you know really this is the kind of year this is the type of kid that during this time of year during the off season with the camps and the circuits are really going to be something that are, are going to be beneficial to him getting that exposure so schools like usc and ucla uh and just locally kind of know a little more about him he's got an offer from san diego state he'll have more offers than that he did really well at the nike camp but i think he's one of those guys that people want to bring in in person and kind of see him he's got that great frame like I said, six foot two, you know, just if, if you got a guy who can legitimately play corner at six foot two, there's going to be a lot of teams lining up. I mean, Oregon State will be all over him in a second. In fact, I'm kind of surprised they haven't offered him already just based on, you know, his profile and the fact that, you know, he played really well at the Nike camp. So you're going to see guys like that start to pop up in the radar. And it's going to be that type of year where we're going to have to see towards the end of the summer what the cornerback class looks like. Because right now it doesn't look great. Right now there's not a ton of depth. Right now defensive backs as a whole – no comparison to last year. Last year was deep. Last year there was it was a phenomenal class of defensive backs. This year is not going to stack up to that at all, especially the safety. I mean, safety is really where you see a big difference between last year's talent pool and this year's talent pool. Last year was the year to stack up on defensive backs. This year, 
USC is going to have to be a little more picky. They might have to go out of state, maybe for a second safety. We're just going to have to see how it all develops. But there's a few good players out there. Obviously, you talked about Dory Jackson already having a scholarship offer, and he's kind of the guy on the West Coast. And USC is doing really well recruiting him. He's been to USC, I think, three times during the spring ball and uh, been very, you know, I, I think – you know, proactive in, in making sure that he contacts USC and he has conversations with USC and he knows a lot about USC. There's a little bit of a wild card because he does have family back in Chicago and in Mississippi, and he's going to be a guy that wants to maybe visit some SEC schools. So I wouldn't say he's necessarily locked in to going to the West Coast schools or locked in to staying in the Pac-12, but I think if he does, USC has as good a shot at anybody right now. And that's pretty much all you can ask for coming from a 7-6 season. Um, so he's kind of the number one guy. The guy that has really done well from the camp circuit and even coming a little bit away from some of the seven-on-seven stuff, uh, a guy that we we saw at the Army uh, All-American Underclassmen uh, Combine back in January is uh, Darius Pickett. Now, Darius Pickett is a guy that, you know, he, he's an interesting kind of – you could look at him as a little bit of a tweener. He's about 5'11", probably about 180, maybe even 185 pounds. He's, he's pretty thick uh, for a corner, and he played really well at the Rivals Under Armour camp and was really the only guy that gave Eric Brown problems because he was strong enough and powerful enough to really jam him and hold him up at the line of scrimmage and not allow him to get a free release off the line of scrimmage. And that's really important when you're dealing with the receiver that's got that top-end speed like Eric Brown. So Darius Pickett is a guy that you know plays at the same high school uh, as Derek Calhoun. So he's another you know Northern California kid. I, I could see USC being very interested in him too. The question is going to be, is he a real quarterback prospect or is he a guy that maybe should be playing a little more safety? That has yet to really be figured out. Um, Jonathan Lockett, uh, modern day cornerback, uh, a little small, a little undersized, a guy that's been on the radar for a while, but a guy that you know continues to impress us. Another Army All-American underclassman combine uh, performer, a guy that you know we saw play pretty well at the underclassman combine, had a couple nice picks, uh, a guy that breaks on the ball well, very smooth, just not real big. And so that's one of those things where you look at a guy like Denzel Fisher who has you know the the measurables, and you look at them on paper, and you're just like, wow, ooh, six two corner, you know, six one, six two, 175 pounds, and, and you know, you get you know a lot of excitement from coaches just because of of the potential with that physical frame. Whereas you got a guy like uh, with the Jonathan Lockett, who's you know not as big and not as physical, but probably has a lot more in terms of production to his name. And so that's that's going to be one of those things. Again, it's going to be camps. It's going to be developing some of these prospects. I don't see USC just because they lost games at this point. They're not going out there just offering guys willy-nilly locally. It's kind of like it was last year. They want to get their foot in the door with guys nationally, and then during the summer they're going to bring guys into the camp, and then they want to see some of these local kids in person. And right or wrong, that's when they're going to start to make some more offers. And that's you know during the May evaluation period into June, that's when you're going to start to see them start to focus in more seriously on some of these local kids. All right, uh, let's go to Greg in the OC. He says, based on the players projected for the 2014 roster, what positions of need should be targeted in the 2014 recruiting class? Where where are the uh, scholarships going to go, Gerard? Well, we talked about that a little bit already in, in one of our needs and wants uh, features on the site, which uh, you know I think USC fans definitely got to check that out if you're not you know subscribing to uscfootball.com. Subscribe because it's a be. very in-depth yeah. uh, feature and it talks a lot about that. I, I think the needs, you know, obviously like we talked about with the 5-2 scheme, that's going to be something where there's going to be some transition there. Um, if, if everything stays intact and this defense is the defense that they're running next year and the year after, um, you know, USC is going to have to find some guys that can fit that role of the outside linebacker, I think most importantly. Um, you've got, uh, you know, really, you know, Jabari Ruffin is, is, is kind of a classical, I think, outside linebacker in a 3-4 system. And then everybody else is kind of like we're not really sure. You know, they're more 4-3 guys, a little smaller guys. You want to get those 6'3", 6'4", 230-pound outside linebackers. And so I think that's going to be a position where you'd like to take maybe three outside linebackers. You need at least two of them. And I think you need at least one inside linebacker. So I think overall you're looking at three linebackers in this class. I think you'd like to take, you know, between three and five. It's just going to depend on who you can get and what your numbers are are like at other positions. Um, I think with – 
the defensive line. Now you're looking at you know defensive ends being more like the defensive tackles, and now you have that nose guard position all of a sudden start to develop, which is more important. Um, the center of that line, which right now Antoine Woods is playing, that's going to be a very, very important position because the teams that do well running any kind of variant of the 3-4 they have a dominant nose guard. Whether you're looking at Lewis Nix III or you're looking at um, Jesse Williams from Alabama, you're talking about guys that are in that 6'3", 6'4", 320, 340-pound range. USC does not have that guy. USC has, you know, 6'3", 315-pound Antoine Woods. And then really nobody behind him in terms of uh, a guy that's developing that has that type of size. They're more prototypical three techniques from a, from a 4-3 defense than they are nose guard from the 3-4. So I think that's going to be a very important position. I think USC could really go out there and try to get two nose guards, try to get two guys that can play that position that are, you know, maybe like a Josh Frazier who's uh, a, a good 6'4", uh, 320 pounds from uh, Springdale, Arkansas, uh, who's a guy that likes USC. USC. We've talked a little bit about USC and is already talking about narrowing down his list. And USC had some past success recruiting Arkansas. Can they still do it with you know Alabama being as, as dominant as they are uh, in the Southeast right now? That's going to be a question. Uh, you know, uh, there's there's a few of those guys I think on the board right now that are those bigger kids. And and now the guys that were the defensive ends, you know, like I said, they kind of moved out to us a linebacker. So you're really looking for, you know, maybe one, I, I think, defensive tackle that's really more going to be a defensive end. Um, a guy like Malik McDowell, who would be, you know, I think prototypically you looked at him as a, as a, as a defensive tackle in a 4-3. Now you're going to want to move him over the defensive end. So I think altogether you want three interior defensive linemen. You want two nose guards if you can get it because that's really one of the positions that USC doesn't have just because they weren't running that type of defense. And I, I think one, at least one defensive end who, like I said before, would be more of a defensive tackle in years past. I think you want four defensive backs. This is not going to be the year where you can stack up on safeties or, or I really, I think, stack up on cornerbacks. That was last year. So if you're looking for quality in this class, I don't think you can do it with quantity. So I think you're going to be looking at four defensive backs and you're just going to try to go with two cornerbacks, a free safety and a strong safety if you can for this defense. Um, I think, you know, with the quarterback position, a lot of people are, are asking about that. You know, should USC be taking a quarterback, a quarterback or should they wait? Um, it just depends on the transfer situation, who wins the job, who decides to stick around. If, you know, Max Wittick ends up winning the starting job at the beginning of the season, does that mean that Cody Kessler automatically transfers or vice versa? You know Max Brown is going to be there, but I think two quarterbacks, I think that's just not enough uh, for a Division One team. Not because you're looking at game day. Uh, as a as an issue of oh you know are we going to have a guy that can be able to back up a guy or if he gets hurt it's really more a question of not wearing your quarterback during the season wearing your quarterback out during the season when you have uh, your scout team you, I mean you only have so many throws in that arm and you don't want to wear the guy out uh, during practice and so I, I think three guys you're going to have to have a backup that's backing up your first team quarterback who knows the the install uh, of the game plan that week. And then you have a guy that's running the scout team that's good enough to really give your first team defense a look. So I think that's why you have to have three guys in the roster. And depending on how this plays out with the three quarterbacks that are on USC's roster right now, it would open up a spot where you would have to take a quarterback in this class. Um, receiver, I think you want to take you know basically two receivers. I, I don't think you're going to get away with, with much more than that. I don't think USC needs much more than that. Um, depending on what happens at tight end with Junior Pame, that might open up a spot where you're going to need another tight end because you're losing, you know, Christian Thomas to to a medical, which we know for sure. And Palme's not on the junior or on the spring roster right now, so we're kind of waiting to see if he's a guy that actually gets a chance to come back and fall or not. Uh, it's pretty much open door right now, as far as I know. Um, we, we just we don't have a resolution to what's going to happen with his legal issues. Uh, so that that would open up obviously a spot for tight end. And I think for the offensive line, I mean you want as many as you can get, quite frankly. But it's going to be a year where it's, it's this is probably where there's some depth. I think in terms of you know where the where the talent is in 2014, it's not really the skill positions. It's more you know running back looks pretty good. The offensive line looks pretty good. It looks like a year where you're looking for more physicality than skill necessarily. And so I think an offensive line, if you can get five guys in an offensive line, they're quality players, 
go for it. I think USC really needs a good four in this class after only getting two in the last class. But last year, they only got two because last year wasn't a very good year. This is definitely one position is where you, you're definitely got more depth of talent in the 2014 class than the 2013 class. Uh, well, that kind of leads us to the next question from Dave in the OC. Is the 2014 offensive line class better than the class of 2012? And he also wants to know why USC doesn't recruit a center. Well, the 2012 class, that's tough. I don't think so. I think the 2012 class was better. I think better because you had more marquee offensive tackle talent. This class is good because it's pretty balanced. You've got a couple guys there that can play tackles, but you really got uh, a few guys that I think are more guards. A guy like Damian Mama is kind of on the fence. You've got him at, you know, 6'5", 350, 360 pounds, depending on who you're talking to uh, and what he ate that day. Um, he's a guy that could end up being an interior guy, or maybe he loses the weight and tries to play outside like Andre Walker. You know, to me personally, I feel like Andre Walker's still a guard playing tackle. And so I, I think with Damian Mama, I would lean towards him playing interior, but still a very solid player, a guy that USC has offered and a guy that USC probably should offer. I think he's a good enough player to play at USC. Toll Lobendon already committed. That's a kid that could play center. Uh, he's very young. He's got a long ways to go in terms of his physical development. I don't think we're really seeing the finished product or anything close to yet with Toa Lobanon, and that's a guy that's very versatile. He's going to play on the interior, regardless whether it's guard or center. He's going to play on the interior. Casey, Casey Tucker, who's also committed mostly. I mean, we've had some debates about this. He's one of those guys, I think, like Eddie Vanderdose and a few others from last year. He's committed, but in so much that it doesn't really mean a whole lot. He's declared for USC. He's going to look at other schools, Arizona State, UCLA, Notre Dame. He'll be all over the map. But in terms of talent, I think he's a guy that could be a right tackle. Um, he could definitely play on the outside a little more. And uh, and he's a very good player. He's a very good player. We saw him last summer against a lot of older players in Atlanta at the Rivals Five Star Challenge and was a very good player, complete player. Uh, definitely a guy that you know has some potential in front of him still, but you can see the physical ability kind of already showing through with him. And USC also has a commitment from Jordan Poland, who's uh, you know a good six uh, seven, you know. 310, 315 pounds right now, a guy that will not play football this year. He's going to basically eh, kind of sort of in a way gray shirt. Eh, he's, you know, kind of run out of, uh, of athletic eligibility, and it's just basically taking classes this next fall at uh, La Jolla Country Day. And he's a guy that's going to be an offensive tackle as well. So it's a very good class, but I don't think you have the elite outside guys uh, that to, to make it, you know, that really great class that 2012 was. All right. Well, we still have a few questions left, and I can smell my wife cooking food downstairs, so we might have to do a little rapid fire. Not, not me rapid fire, but Gerard rapid fire, which means that 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 like uh, that last answer was actually a little bit of Gerard rapid fire. I think not bad, Gerard. Okay. All right. Well, let's go to. Um, I think we'll go to Terry in L.A. He saw some highlight uh, film of Racine Thomas, the running back. Say so he really fell in love with the kid. I like him better than Mix. Uh, Mixon and Starks. He says he's on par with uh, Fournette for me. Would you like? I'd like to get your opinion of his ability and who do you favor of those four? I feel he's a type of back USC's been missing since Reggie Bush, and that's again Terry in L.A. Well, I think Thomas A is from Alabama, and that I think more than anything puts a little bit of a damper on the ability to recruit him. Um, I don't know if USC is really going to have a legitimate shot. He's a kid that probably will be interested in USC, maybe interested enough to take an official visit because obviously I think, like you said, that speed back role, and we've talked about this before, is really open at USC. And that, and that I think, in terms of need and want, going back to that question just before uh, this one, you're looking for that dynamic of, you know, what do you want, what do you need? You need to have a running back in this class. You certainly need a running back, in my opinion. But you want to have a guy that can counter what you recruited last year, which was power in Justin Davis and uh, Ty Isaac. Uh, those guys are bigger backs. They're powerful backs. Uh, Justin Davis also has some great speed, but I think you would still categorize him more as a power back. So you want to complement that with a guy who's a speed guy. You know, Thomas has speed. I wouldn't compare him to Reggie Bush. I don't see Reggie Bush at this point. I see a guy that's a little more of a combo back. Um, I think if you're looking at just 
okay, let me just get a running back. Okay, maybe we're not going to be able to get the legit, you know, elite speed guy, quote unquote, um, that the Reggie Bush was that you know runs the ten four, runs the ten five, and, and has that uh, that breakaway speed, you know, on paper. Let me just get a guy that's really good. I take Mixon out of that group. Uh, to me, Mixon is, you know, he's a good, he's almost 210 pounds, built well. He's got good speed. I mean, he's, he's legitimately fast. Uh, his running style is a little upward. I think he's going to work on that a little bit uh, because he really needs to be a guy that runs in between the tackles more. Uh, but he's got great receiving skills. Uh, we, he's been lights out good everywhere we've seen him, and he's never backed down from competition. In fact, he's a guy that takes – a million reps everywhere he goes. I mean, he cuts in line, and he's taking reps at receiver. He's taking reps at running back. I like him overall. Starks, very much a combo back also, a guy that's, you know, I, I compare a lot with Mark Tyler. He reminds me a lot of Mark Tyler coming out of high school and that he's got, he can, kind of does a lot of things good, nothing necessarily great. I haven't seen any one attribute that sticks out that's great uh, from him. Um, you know, as far as Fournette goes, I think Leonard Fournette is, is, is way up there. He's a guy that's got a, you know, a lot of speed as well, a lot of size. I mean, he's already probably 230 pounds. Another guy that's going to be difficult to get uh, for USC just from the south. You've got LSU. You've got Alabama. Um, he's got some ties with Alabama as far as his uh, past coaches um, that coached at his high school and obviously LSU being so close to where he lives. It's just going to be difficult to get those guys out of the south. So I think with USC, they've got to make that determination. Are we going after a guy that is 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 he fits what we want in speed? I mean, we're getting a speed guy. This is what we want. We want a guy that runs this fast. Or we just want the best player on the board because we're not going to be able to pick and choose, quite frankly, with uh, you know who we want fit-wise to complement the other running backs we have on the roster. So for me, I, I go with Mixon. All right. Um, Andrew and Thousand Oaks had a question. You, you pretty much answered already about the – if one of the quarterbacks transfers, you still need to bring in a, a third quarterback. And you made it clear you, you don't want two on the roster. You'd want three. Yes. Okay, cool. So, that, so Andrew, hopefully that, that last answer, well, the previous answer Gerard gave, answered your question there. Uh, David in the OC wanted to know, any news on the rest of the incoming class of 2013? And, and it's weird, Gerard. I think I mentioned this on the podcast last week. Uh, without you, though, the uh, early enrollee numbers – uh, new new players coming, you know, the early for USC were seven. The, the rest of the class is only six. I don't know if you've ever had a recruiting class where it's a bigger number coming into the coming in early as opposed to coming in in the fall. No, and, and it is a bit strange, and it's good for USC in in the fact that they don't have great numbers in spring. In spring, you're always going to be down on numbers because you have your graduating seniors and you don't have your full class of freshmen coming in. So from that standpoint, it's good that they were able to get some bodies in there and you're able to get a guy in there like Chris Hawkins who can give you some reps at corner, uh, you know, Justin Davis who can give you reps at running back when a guy like Silas Red goes down. Uh, I mean, they need some of these guys just to, like I said, not wear out during the spring. And that, you know, we've seen that with the offensive line a few years ago where they just, they had seven guys that were healthy and you can't run a practice a legitimate scrimmage in practice, a legitimate 11-on-11 when you only have seven linemen because your guys are getting too tired. You're just wearing your guys out, and then they're prone more to injury. So that goes back to even with the quarterback situation. I think you have to think scout team. You have to think, are my scout team guys giving my first-team defense offense a good look, being able to compete with them to the point that they're actually getting prepared? Or do we have a bunch of walk-ons out there that just aren't getting the job done as far as the speed of the game and keeping it comparable to what you're going to see actually on Saturdays? So I think with you know this you know only having a few uh, freshmen coming in the fall, it's not great. You would love to have you know Jalen Ramsey and a few of those other guys, Eddie Vanderdose, being able to bulk those numbers up, knowing that in the fall, hey, we have even more bodies, we're going to have more rotation. It's, that's the negative. That's the negative part of it. The positive part of it is that they're getting some of these guys uh, early and, and they're able to be able to play in spring ball and give you know the, the first team a look in spring ball. Some of the guys, like so Cravens, has actually played with the first team. He's a first-team nickel right now, has been uh, really good. And, and interestingly, kind of shows you the physicality and kind of the change in mentality a little bit with Clancy Pendergast and his choice in personnel as opposed to Monty Kiffin, where you have Sewell Cravens playing nickelback. Cravens is a good defender in coverage, but 
I mean, he's really more of a, a, a bigger body than you would normally see as a nickelback. Normally you would see the nickelback be just, you know, your third corner. So with USC right now, they bring Cravens in and actually have him playing nickelback, and he's a good 215, almost 220 pounds now. So it's almost like having another linebacker out yeah. there. So, you know, we've seen Cravens play really well, have multiple picks in, uh, you know, certain, um, certain uh, periods and, and practices. Justin Davis has been very good, you know, broke his finger there at the end of the first half of spring ball but has been tremendous i mean he's shown a lot of uh, a lot of flashes of being a guy that's going to be a really good running back for usc down the line uh, we've seen leon mcquay come in as a as a five-star safety and play some corner and really struggle now he's playing back at safety which he looks more comfortable um you know we've seen some good things from the freshmen none of the freshmen at this point have looked bad i think you know the guy that obviously is out there on the spotlight and you, and you, it's easy to critique the most would be Max Brown because he's a quarterback, because he's getting as many reps as he is with Max Wittick not playing a whole lot uh, in that first half of spring with him getting injured. You know, he's struggling, but you have to look at that and go, he's a quarterback who has to learn the whole playbook. He's going to struggle. He's going to play slower. It's going to take more time for him to be able to catch on. Uh, it's not like, you know, Kenny Bigelow, you just throw there on the defensive line right. and say, hey, go get him, you know. And so he's, it's just going to take more time. But I don't think any of the freshmen have necessarily played bad. I think, you know, we did a little round table and we do our newcomer notebooks um, after, you know, every couple practices. And I, I think the guy that really, for me, is the most impressive, and, and, and I'll qualify it's Chris Hawkins because he's kind of exceeded expectations already. He was a guy that comes in and everybody was thinking, okay, he's going to redshirt. He has to develop physically. He's only about 165 pounds, yada, yada, yada. Now he's a guy that's, you know, second-team corner. He's been consistent. He's played well in, in almost every practice I've seen him. He's had his downs, but he's had his ups too. And I think he's a guy that really, at this point, is playing beyond a redshirt. I don't think USC depth-wise can afford to redshirt him. And physically, he's at that level now where he's bulked up. He's about 180 pounds. And he's a kid that's just motivated and determined to play. And I, I think, you know, with seeing his physical development, he's a guy that's putting him in a position that he can play. And I think composure-wise, he's out there and he looks like he belongs. And I think that sometimes is the biggest compliment you can give to a freshman. Is he swimming? Does he really understand what he's doing? You know, Chris Hawkins doesn't look like he's freaking out out there. You know, he doesn't look like he's lost out there. Yeah, he may have a couple plays here and there where he misses a tackle or he misses a coverage or something happens, but consistently he's been pretty dang good for most of the practices that we've seen. And he's a guy that, uh, like I said, I don't think USC really has the luxury to redshirt him. So that, to me, has been the most impressive because he's one of those guys that didn't come in with expectations like Sue Cravens, like Justin Davis. All right, a couple more quick ones. Let's go. Melvin wants to know, he says that many in the media uh, talked about other schools and coaches using negative recruiting tactics when competing against USC. Does USC use negative recruiting themselves in retaliation against other schools? And is, is negative recruiting common among all schools and coaches, including USC? Negative recruiting is very common. I think that uh, negative recruiting tactics are used by all schools. I think to the degree is always, you know, what you're talking about. I mean, are, are schools out there literally making up stories and saying things about coaches which aren't true? Uh, I think USC, because they leave themselves vulnerable with a bad season, and Lane Kiffin being on the hot seat probably got uh, more than their fair share of negative recruiting tactics by other schools, specifically, you know, the Pac-12 schools. And that's been that case for a little bit just because even when USC was winning, you know, what are you going to do? you got to say something. you got to do something. There has to be some type of narrative to try to be able to sway recruits away from them because, you know, Pete Carroll and those teams were recruiting so well and winning so much. So USC's kind of a target out there, but they're, they're I think, no more of a target than a school that, you know, is very successful and is on top and no more of a target than a school that, you know, when they're not successful and they don't meet expectations, you know, everybody's going to try to pile on and, and use negative recruiting against them. Is it some type of dynamic that that's why they lost recruits and that's why things changed? No, I think at the end of the day, you can control your own destiny in recruiting to some extent by just winning ball games on the field. And I think that's really, um, you know, that's really what opened themselves up to probably a lot of college coaches saying all the bad things. And certainly it's not ethical, but there are no rules that are broken when a school says, you know, that coach is a terrible coach and he does terrible things and he lies and this, that, and the other. 
that's just, uh, like I said, unethical, but there's no actual rules that are broken by the NCAA, or should I should say broken that are NCAA regulations or rules by saying bad things about other coaches or other teams. All right, and then last one, we have Dave and Tustin, who wants to talk about his CIF Southern Section Southwest Division champion, Tustin Tillers. Uh, he mentions, no, he says 2013. I think he means 2014. Um couple of D1 prospects for 2014, I believe, is what he means. 6'5", 350-pound defensive lineman, or lineman, David Maka, and 6'1", 205-pound fullback, linebacker, Edward Tandy. And he said a couple of 2014, which I believe he means 2015 sophomores, um, Andrew Scott and Greg Hoyd. Uh, do you know anything about these four and whether SC is recruiting any of them? I do you know a little bit about David Maka, who actually signed with Arizona last year? So he was a 2013 recruit. Oh, he so was? Okay. As, as far as I know about him, USC will not be recruiting him because he's already signed a letter of intent for Arizona. Um, and Greg Hoyt is actually at Vista Marietta and was at Vista Marietta last season. So it looks like uh, Artiller fan is a little behind the times. <laughs> might want to... Uh, I want to follow the team a little closer because a couple of those players are no longer playing for Tustin. Okay, so he said 2013 juniors, so it would have been actually really 2013, but they were seniors, not juniors. Okay. Yeah, because um, David Maka is already uh, he already signed with Arizona and uh, was a recruit last year. That USC looked at a little bit, but was an interior guy, and I think you know again it was one of those things where USC needs offensive tackles. You know, they need guys that can play on the edge. They've got kind of a roster full of guys that are really interior guys, and they've even used some of those interior guys and tried to make them into offensive tackles. It's it's one of those things that, you know, I mean, I think it's some schemes, and, and depending on what you do, you can get away with it, especially if you want to run and and have a power running game. It's not totally unheard of to have guys that are really more offensive guards playing offensive tackle, but when you have the pro set and you want to start going five-step drops or even seven-step drops off of the play action, you're going to put those offensive tackles out there on an island against some pass rushers that may be you know, on that 6'3", six, 6'4", six, range, and they're 230, 240 pounds, and they're speed guys. And so you've got to have guys that have that athleticism, that have that reach, that range, those long arms, the ability to have the quickness of the kick step to be able to get back there so they're not flustered and they don't lose those blocks. And, you know, we saw with USC last year, we saw some things on the edge where, you, you're, you know, teams like Stanford, teams like UCLA were able to bring blitzes and bring uh, pressure off the edge and really confuse USC and get to the quarterback, and you can't have that. So um, with a guy like David Mock, who's only about uh, like 6'3", 305 pounds, 310 pounds, he was definitely more of an inside guy, and the only inside guy they went and got was Khalil Rogers, who may end up being a center, and that goes back to that other question about, you know, why doesn't USC recruit any centers? They, 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 they have maybe some centers right now. I mean, they have some centers in that, even on the roster right now, we see Marcus Martin move to center. He might be the guy that ends up getting that job. Um, you saw Max Turk play a little bit of center. Um, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, center is kind of a job that, you kind of look at all your linemen and see, well, who can do it, you know, and, and who has the ability to do it. What are you looking for from the center position? And so, you know, with Khalil Rogers, he might come in, get a little bit of a look at the center. Uh, Toil Lobendon, 2014 commitment, he's a guy that could end up playing center for USC. Um, so that's kind of where it goes. And, and with Maka, he was just one of those guys that was purely an interior guy, and obviously USC just didn't think he was the level of guy that they were looking for last year. And Greg Hoyt, is he's actually 2014, so he is a junior, so he's he is a same. junior, but he plays for Vista Marietta yeah. uh, last season. And to my knowledge, I think he still plays for Vista Marietta. Uh, we actually saw him at the IMG tournament uh, this past weekend, and I didn't speak to him about it, but I believe he's still playing for Vista Marietta. He's a bigger linebacker, a guy that, you know, he's, again, uh, developing a little bit and getting a little bigger and, and starting to, you know, kind of start to fill out a little more. And a guy that maybe USC takes a look at as an inside linebacker, he's in about that 6'2 range, getting closer to that 220, 225 range. And, um, you know, a solid player, but not a guy that's been, you know, spectacular or overly dominant. Certainly not, you know, the Vontez Burfick level guy, even Manti Teo coming out of high school that, you know, has 120 tackles and is blowing guys up at the line of scrimmage and has all these highlight plays. But sometimes these guys on the West Coast, they're, they're not coming out of high school like gangbusters. You know, they're guys that just need a little more time to physically develop. And at least a guy with Greg Hoyt, he's a guy that's got some size to him. So, you know, Fred Warner, these other kids, 
you know, watching them kind of physically develop. It, this might be a little more of what USC has to do at the linebacker position because when you're looking for size, you obviously need that size to, to blossom. And kids on the West Coast are not always just coming out of high school right out of the box. You know, the, the big giant kids, we, we've seen this on the offensive line, and I've said it a million times, you know, USC and these other Pac-12 schools have to project a little more on the West Coast with offensive linemen than you see down south. Down south, you got kids named Bubba. Okay, everybody's you know talked about that you know over and over again. You don't have Bubbas out here in the West Coast. <laughs> it's just a cultural thing. So kids down south, you know, you see a kid six five, three hundred pounds. That they have a lot of kids that are six five, three hundred pounds. You don't see a lot of kids out in the West Coast that are six five, three hundred pounds. The kids are not physically peaked at high school yet. So that guy who's six five, three hundred pounds in Florida right now, USC or excuse me, Southern California, he might be six five, two hundred fifty pounds. You're going to have to put that fifty pounds on him in college and develop him, and, and you know he'll end up catching up to the kid in Florida when he's in college, but he's going to need that time to catch up. So. You know, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, Greg Hoyt is a guy that, you know, right now we're not talking about a whole lot, but maybe he develops a little more physically, and all of a sudden his senior year, he starts playing to a point where USC goes, hey, man, we gotta we got to reevaluate this kid and see if we got to offer him because, you know, all of a sudden he's, he, he, he's, he's grown into his body and he's more coordinated and he's faster and he's stronger, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and Hoyt has a couple of low-level Pac-12 offers right now. The other prospects are not in the uh, Rivals database yet, not to say that, they shouldn't be, or they won't. I'm not sure if they're 2014 or 15 guys, because there was some confusion there. But if they're not in the database yet, not likely to be USC targets. But you know, we'll see. It. There's still some time to develop there. We'll have to see if there's if they're actually 2014 or 2015 kids. But Hoyt's the one guy that's in there, but he doesn't go to Tustin any longer. No, Vista Marietta. So if you live in Tustin and you're a big Greg Hoyt fan. Go check out Vista Marietta. Very good football team. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Well, Gerard, we appreciate you uh, coming on and. We got through all those questions, which is good. It's uh, always good to get through all that stuff. And it's good to get you back on the Trojan Blast. We haven't had one for a while. Settling back into our routine and, you know, spring football starting back up again. So lots going on, and I'm glad we could talk some recruiting. Awesome. All right. Well, Gerard, thanks very much. Everyone else, thank you very much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. Be back next week, next Monday, talking more USC football on the regular Peristyle Podcast. So long until then. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 